Arequipa. Okay, welcome to Move Left Idiots, a progressive talk podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montrullo. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, uh, LaDonna Loki. LaDonna, how you doing? Good. Salutations. <laughs> so uh, let's just jump right in because we got a million things to get to this week uh, and not so much time to do it in. Um, mm-hmm. The Alabama Senate race uh, happened uh, earlier this week on Tuesday. Uh, we saw Doug Jones uh, in, a, in a shocking victory uh, in, in deep red <laughs> Alabama uh, beat a uh, Christian ISIS lunatic uh, child monster <laughs> by yes <laughs> by the margin of error. So that that was good though. You know, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, huge victory. Let's all celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ladonna, I don't know if you know, but Doug Jones he said himself that he won because he's middle of the road. So this was actually a victory for centrism. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're aware. Yeah. (laughs) uh, I think that's going to be their new bumper sticker. Centrism, 1.5% better than pedophilia. (laughs) That'll that'll, that'll win some elections, I think. Um, Definitely. Yeah. So, you know, again, we we, we all wanted uh, Jones to win, obviously. Not that he inspired anybody, but... Yeah, I mean, um, you, you pointed it out. Like, could we even point to one thing that he stood for? Like, I don't know if I could. And I no. pay attention to politics. All I knew was that he wasn't the other guy. Yeah, all I knew was, hey, uh, vote for our guy because he's not a pedophile. <laughs> and he's not a lunatic uh, person who thinks that gay people or Muslims shouldn't be allowed in office. And all the, <laughs> the, uh, the thousand fucking horrible things. And he doesn't have a Jew lawyer like uh, <laughs> Oh my god! So I think that was actually after we recorded last week. That that you did you see a clips from that that kind of press event that Moore did the night before the election? Oh, um, I think thing I did. He did in front of the big the big American flag where he had like his wife talk and she was yes. Like, <laughs> one of our lawyers is a Jew. I don't know why y'all say we don't like Jews because one of our lawyers is, a, is one of so them clearly. Jews. We don't have any prejudice here. There's nothing to see there. And then then they had this fucking guy who was like his buddy from Vietnam. What went through their heads to have him tell this story? (laughs) He told this story about how they once, when they were in Vietnam, went to a child brothel together. He's like, (sighs) oh, no, well... We we, yeah. we we stumbled upon this brothel, and then when we got in there, Roy, you know, he's he's like, we gotta we gotta get out of here, guys. I don't know, because <laughs> you know you, you, that 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 happens typically. You're in Vietnam, you're in the middle and of a war, just, and you you yeah. stumble into children <laughs> child brothels. It happens to me all the time. <laughs> oh my god, why would they have him tell that? Like they're so. It, it seriously felt like like a, an SNL sketch. Like I was like, this is this cannot be a real person. Like, That's more and more of reality person. lately. Like I don't even know if SNL needs to be a show anymore because reality just is SNL. Yeah. Oh God. Um, <laughs> I actually have a little audio clip too. From did you see his surrogate that was on Jake Tapper's show? Who I don't absolutely. Know. 
Well, I'll, I'll play the audio clip for you. Um, yeah. Anyone listening should seek out the video clip because it, it, it gives it adds to the, the comedy. But uh, just know that I'm not going to be pausing this uh, audio clip at any point during it. So it, everything you hear is in real time. So just take a listen. Judge Moore has also said uh, that he doesn't think uh, a Muslim member of Congress should be allowed to be in Congress. Why? Uh, under what? But, under what provision? Because of the you have to swear on the Bible. You when you you when you are before, I had to do it. I'm an elected official, three terms. I had to swear on a Bible. You have to swear on a Bible to be an elected official in the, in the United States of America. He alleges that a Muslim cannot do that ethically, swearing on the Bible. You don't actually have to swear on a Christian Bible. You can swear on anything, really. I don't know if you knew that. You can swear on a Jewish Bible. Oh, no, you can swear I swore on, a, on the Bible. Can, I've done can, it three times. I'm sure Jay. you have. I'm sure you've picked a Bible, but the law is not that you have to swear on a Christian Bible. That is not the law. You, you don't know that? All right, Ted Crockett. With I don't more. know. I, I know that uh, Donald Trump did it when he when we made him president because he's Christian and he picked it. That's what he wanted to. That's what he wanted to swear in on. Ted Crockett with the Moore campaign. Good luck tonight. Thank you so much for being here. My panel will react when Merry we get Christmas, back. Merry Christmas, Jack. Thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking asshole! I, I love the Merry Christmas too. Exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that was intentional. <laughs> You gotta see the you gotta see the stupefied look on his face too. After Jake Tapper's like, you don't you don't know that that you don't actually need to swear in the Bible. He just kind of blankly stared at the screen for like th- what felt like three minutes. And just like, I, <laughs> well, I, there was a guy that did it on like, the Captain America shield. I mean, you, you can do anything. Fucking, yes. fucking Paul Ryan, I think sw- uh, swore in on a fucking copy of the Fountainhead. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's true. He would. Either. He, <laughs> Yeah, like I, I'm pretty sure I, I may be making that up. I, I vaguely remember something like that. If it's um, not true, it should be. <laughs> <laughs> but that fuck it. So that just what a fucking clown show. Uh, so you know, Democrats. Yeah, uh, great. We beat we beat that fucking lunatic by a point and a half. That's great. Maybe <laughs> let's run somebody next time who actually inspires voters who can win by more than the margin of error. And I know they'll say, oh, it's Alabama, blah blah. blah. But you know what? That's bullshit. Rant. Uh, Randy Woodfine, Woodfin, I, I, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, fucking uh, one uh, mayor of Birmingham, Alabama, uh, super progressive, our revolution endorsed, won in a landslide because he actually inspired voters and spoke to them uh, <laughs> about shit they care about uh, and didn't just, you know. His, his what campaign playbook slogan. is that from? I don't think I've ever heard that one. That's not the, not the talking DMC to voters. And <laughs> yeah. Right. Positive um, message. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's just, oh, God. So, you know, that's good. Uh, hopefully we can actually run progressives that can beat these fucking lunatics by more than a point and a half. Because we're not going to beat. I mean, if he, if he wasn't a pedophile, he would have gotten into office. And he, even without being a pedophile, is maybe one of the craziest fucking human beings I've ever encountered in my entire life. When you hear him speak for three minutes, like... He is a Christian fundamentalist. Like, it, if you reverse everything he's saying and, like, change from Christianity to Islam, he sounds like a fucking member of ISIS. Like, he's yeah. a lunatic. We definitely dodged a bullet on that one. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, thank God he was a pedophile, too. So hopefully all the uh, Republican <laughs> candidates are, are, are going to be pedophiles also. So we... <laughs> Strike that one off the list of, you know, things that aren't okay anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, um, 
I want to get into some other stuff, but I want to play our inter- uh, interview that we did with Nomiki Konst. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I talked to Nomiki for about a half an hour. A great interview. We talked all about the uh, minutia of what's going on at the DNC right now and uh, everything that's happening with the uh, Unity Reform Commission. We just talked about general DNC goings on. Uh, so that was a great interview. Um, so before I play that, I'm going to play the audio of her at the last DNC uh, Unity oh, Reform so Committee yeah. meeting. Yeah, where she just fucking ethered <laughs> that entire panel of like <laughs> old stiffs who were, <laughs> who were my heroine <laughs> with that. Yes, <laughs> oh, it was so good. It was one of the greatest like kind of political you know t- displays I've seen in a long in, in modern you know in modern. I, I tweeted after that. I was like, any race she wants to run for i'll back her any you know anything she wants to do politically i'm there well you know she didn't say no i actually asked her about that at the end of the interview if she would run for yeah. she she is like oh i don't i don't want to you know but she was like ah, well you know maybe one day yeah. um she, yeah. she didn't rule it out so i but yeah good good we'll, we'll all be behind her 100 percent. so i'm gonna play yes. that for you and then we will come back and talk about some more news of the week Okay. This smells. This doesn't just smell to the public right now that the budget of the party was never put before. Forget about the Budgetary Committee for a second. Put before the people who have a fiduciary responsibility, whether it's Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard, whether it's Donna Brazile when she was chair, when she was vice chair, or Vice Chair Ray Buckley, or Dr. Jim Zogby over here. That's over half the executive committee right there, had no idea where the money was going. We spent a billion dollars, lost the easiest presidential race you could possibly imagine with joint fundraising agreements. State parties weren't being funded. During the DNC chair's race, there were some state party chairs who said, I'm an acting executive director and I have $3,000 cash on hand. How are you supposed to rebuild the party if you have no idea where that money was spent? And you know what? I did go through FEC filings. And it doesn't look good. It smells. We're talking about close to 700 to $800 million between the joint fundraising agreement and the DNC being spent on five consultants. Uh-oh. This is not a public outrage issue. The DNC chairs are upset. The officers are upset. And I don't know who's on the budget and finance committee. I did go to the meeting. It was 15 minutes long. And there was a pie chart that was, that was put on screen. Yeah. But I would... As a Democratic Party member of this commission, we have a duty and people are watching us right now. The number one issue I get asked out in the public by DNC members is, what are you going to do about the budget? It is absolutely ridiculous that we are going to keep a status quo system when it basically says we're going to continue to lose 1,200 seats. Let me describe what losing 1,200 seats looks like or the remaining seats we have. If you're an Arab, Trump, yes, but let's break that down a little bit. If you're in Arizona and you have an ectopic pregnancy, pregnancy, you can't go to a Planned Parenthood clinic because it's gone because that state legislature is lost. So you have to drive over to New Mexico. And if you bleed to death on the way, you know whose fault that is? In my mind, that's a Democratic Party that wasn't funded recruiting candidates, investing in, in, in local parties. And that is our fault because we have put that money to the top five consultants. And part of that has to go to the conflicts of interests. This is outrageous. It's unethical. It's bad governance. And frankly, it's fucking, excuse me, corruption. So if we 
we do want to look at this budget and finance committee, I advise, I'm sorry here, I advise that it be an elected budget and finance committee. We have very clear standards of oversight and that it is not just looking at past budgets, but putting forth a budget for debate with the people who have a fiduciary responsibility in that room so that they can find out, is this an open bid contract? Because the budget, you know, Congresswoman Fudge mentioned it's, it, it doesn't have to do with vendors. Well, the majority of the budget goes to vendors. So we have to have a conversation about who are those vendors? And that would happen through a budget and finance committee or another committee. But I think what's key is that that committee has oversight and it is elected. Because right now these committees are stacked with whoever the chair decides is on the committee. And I don't know what the chair's interests are because, you know, he's been chair for, for eight months. I don't know who he's in line with. But we don't have time. We have a freak in the White House and state legislatures controlled by Republicans and poor state party chairs like Jane Klebb having to go out there and fundraise on her own because the Democratic Party isn't able to allocate money. Well, all that money, we went to presidential races, but it was burned, lit on fire. And who suffers as a result of some consultants getting third, fourth, and fifth homes? The American people, people being rounded up by ICE. Let's keep this in perspective right now. We have a duty here, and it is not just a duty to our committee men and the status quo. It's a duty to the American people, to the Democratic Party members, to the DNC chairs, to the DNC members, the executive committee members, and the people who have a fiduciary responsibility. Yeah, so... Um she fucking killed it. That's so good. <laughs> and swearing uh, that was just the icing on the cake for me, but you know, I, I tend to like the other. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to play that interview and we will be uh, right back after that to uh, talk more news of the week. So uh, today on the podcast, I'd like to welcome a very special guest. She previously hosted a show on Sirius XM progress before joining the young Turks as an investigative reporter. Uh, you probably saw her recently at the final uh, DNC URC meeting, taking the Democrats to task for setting a billion dollars on fire. It is my pleasure to uh, welcome Nomiki Kantz to the podcast. Uh, Nomiki, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. I, I love that intro. That was. <laughs> I'm going to add that to my. Can I change my Twitter bio? You used to host Sirius XM show and then yelled at the Democrats for setting a billion dollars on fire. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, uh, Senator Sanders appointed you to the URC, uh, and you guys just held your last meetings last week. What were the specific recommendations that were agreed upon uh, by the panel? Ooh, well, uh, they're not published yet, and I don't have them in front of me because they're not published yet, okay. but there's a lot. It's, it's going to be, you know, definitely several pages of resolutions, but the big ones were uh, reducing superdelegates by 60% and just the conditions of how the remaining superdelegates vote are a little complicated, but, uh, the, you know, that's a big deal. It's basically the electeds that are left. Um, then there were the suggestions that we made about primaries and opening up primaries and making them more, uh, inclusive and changing the dates so that the, the dates of registration kind of all fall, on the, the, the closest deadline to the actual election. Uh, New York is a perfect example. New York has the most outrageous primary system. It's a democratic state. It's, there's, a lot, there's a high concentration of democratic voters, yet it has the lowest turnout for any democratic state. 
Uh, and it's the second lowest mm-hmm. in the country. So that's primaries. And caucuses were, you know, there were a lot of resolutions and recommendations to make caucuses easier, you know, more accessible. So voting by mail, voting um, through technology. Different states have different ideas right now. And so we we listen to recommendations from other states, but the problems they're having and and the resolutions and the, the they came up, you know, there's been reforms in many states that deal with caucuses. So the goal was to learn from each of the states to make them um, the most accessible possible. And then the, the group that I was on was party reform. And uh, that's where we, I can't believe we passed it, but we passed a budget resolution. Uh, we, <laughs> the budget now needs to be presented before the budget committee, which is now elected, not appointed. And any expenditures over $100,000 a year must be proposed before the budget committee and approved of by the budget committee. Uh, and any consultants that want contracts have to do proposals. They have to show their diversity standards. They have to say who their principals are, meaning the people who are essentially like the, the business owners. Um, there's joint fundraising agreement resolutions so that what happened in 2016 never happens again. There's a ban on conflicts of interest. There are you know, a wow. good chunk of the voting members of the party have conflicts of interest with the party. And I did not think that was going to go through, but it did. <laughs> so uh, we have a judicial oversight committee so that if the DNC bylaws are are broken, you have somewhere to go. And that's also elected. And that uh, was huge because the DNC has been breaking its bylaws left and right. So that's interesting. That's a lot. Actually, it's a lot of stuff I didn't even hear reported on. Um mm-hmm. So, as far as the superdelegate uh, superdelegates go, reducing them by sixty percent, uh, is there a provision in there, or at least a recommendation, to make make it so that the remaining dele- superdelegates have to actually vote uh, the way their state goes? Because I mean, I know that was kind of a confusion as to whether or not that was part of it. Yeah, it's it's a little confusing, and I don't have the direct language in front of me, but I have the note. I pull up my notebook that I had uh, because you know the, the Larry Cohen, who is our vice chair, and Jen O'Malley Dillon, the chair, are cleaning up the language because we were literally in the back room changing language on one computer. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't anything. You know, we were just, it was nothing nefarious. We were just sitting there like brainstorming as a group and being like, no, take the thus out of there and make it a shall. <laughs> like, you know, so there's a lot of cleaning up to do. Um, but unpledged delegates or super delegates who are members of Congress, governors, uh, former DNC chairs, that's the remaining 40, 40 or so percent. Uh, the pledged delegates, as you know, are the ones that are bound to the state results. So, that's you know the elected DNC members who include the the chairs and vice chairs of those states. They are the ones that are bound by the states. So um, that's what that they're bound to the the national results. I think that's a better way of saying it. Um, it's there's other options in terms of of the the, the non bound delegates. The the remaining you know forty percent. Um, I think that a good chunk of them will probably end up just due to peer pressure. I think a lot of the elected officials are against superdelegates. People will be surprised that they might end up, they'll most likely be end up um, responding to their constituencies because, you know, they're elected. So they already have a, a recommend, you know, they're already supposed to respond to their constituencies. And now that 500 or so um, are no longer uh, open and the people that don't have constituencies for the most part 
are bound to their states, you know, it's almost like a peer pressure thing. So I, this has only been an issue twice since superdelegates have been formed. And really it was the biggest issue this last time because you had someone like Hillary Clinton, which, you know, you're, you're not going to have anybody like that. Um, it's just not going to happen. Like the reality is, is that Hillary Clinton had been planning to run for president since Bill Clinton had left office. And so, you know, she, she pushed the sitting vice president out of the race because of superdelegates. You're just not going to have that situation again. And it's, I think it's serious enough that, uh, no, the, the superdelegates, the mechanism of superdelegates are going to be completely impractical and, you know, probably the next time around they're going to be eliminated. Yeah, I hope so. Um, uh, you know, this is more in the weeds regarding the superdelegates, but a, a big thing last year that a lot of people complained about were that the superdelegates were already uh, announcing who they were going to vote for before the primaries mm-hmm. happened in their state. Is that something? Is that anything that was addressed, or is that something that just kind of you can't really help that? Yeah, it was addressed, and that's part of the whole concept of superdelegates can are bound to their state's results, so they can't. If you're a state party chair, first thing, if you're a state party chair, you're supposed to be neutral, just to start off with. <laughs> but they, not all of them were, some were. Um, so that's that's a really important point alone. Uh, I mean, again, like, she was, it was an extraordinary situation with Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton yep. weaponized superdelegates, and not just to mention superdelegates. Don't forget, and this ties into the budget stuff, she was telling state party leaders I'm going to send money to your state if you support me as a superdelegate. But then we found out later she wasn't sending money to the state. The, the money was going right back to the DNC and back into her fund. Which is funny because that was actually a big critique of the Sanders campaign, how he didn't right. help down ballot candidates and help state parties. Exactly. Um, so uh, you went off during the last meeting uh, <laughs> in a clip that went viral all over the place on Twitter, uh, including letting a fuck slip through on C-SPAN, which was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so what what prompted that you, that speech you gave, and what was the reaction of the room after your uh, after your speech was up? So I was on the party reform committee with. Uh, Dr. Jim Zogby and with Gus Newport, former mayor Gus Newport. Um, and we've been talking about the budget for a really long time. I mean, really all year. And it was one of those things that I always felt was a nonpartisan issue just because it's good governance. It's not like a Bernie versus Hillary thing. State party leaders, county leaders, uh, DNC members were all angry that their states were not being funded and they've lost, you know, almost 1,200 seats at this point. So I just felt at that point, when we were talking about the resolution about, you know, b- budget oversight, um, we started to kind of go down, if, if you'd watched like the hour before, we started to go down this path of like, oh, it's not, we shouldn't have budget oversight. If we have budget oversight, then the Republicans are going to know our strategy, which in which I said, what strategy? We lost 1,100 seats. <laughs> <laughs> Like Please that's tell them that strategy. Stupid reason. Strategy. Yeah, they're gonna say like, "Oh, that strategy." We're gonna do the opposite of that strategy. <laughs> <laughs> or like, you can just go through FEC filings to figure out how the Democrats spend money. I think the point is, we need to know how you spend it before you spend it. <laughs> yeah. There needs to be budget approval. So either these excuses were really ridiculous, and and then the last one I heard was, "We don't want to bind the hands of the chair." And I'm like, 
are we is this a mo- what, are we in a monarchy? I mean, I heard that argument before I got into the queue, and and luckily Senator Nina Turner and Gus Newport jumped in, and then they got fiery, and I was like, well, if they're getting fiery, this is my resolution with Jim Zogby, I'm gonna get fiery. I've also said this nine thousand times, so. You know, I think some of the people on the commission were just like, oh, God, there she goes again. She said this like 20 times. And, so, you know, Marsha Fudge, they, they zoomed in on her, which is hysterical because Marsha Fudge and I, Congresswoman and I worked on this resolution together and we actually agree. It was, she's just like, we've been sitting here for 14 hours. We're hungry. We don't get bathroom breaks. No means going on another rant. <laughs> <laughs> so you know it's it's the, the image to the public was very different than what was happening inside um but i i gave the rant and i didn't i mean listen it was about a budget and bylaws on a commission about the democratic party on c-span i literally didn't think anybody was paying attention there were like 12 people in the audience so you know it was it was a, it was a strange I now we I think that the latest count between all the groups that have shared it it's like seven million plus. I, wow. I I've gone viral before during the campaign and obviously I work for TYT so like we're in the business of doing that but mm. I'm like what <laughs> Wait, yeah. probably I don't like know six point nine million more people than actually watched it on C-SPAN at the time <laughs> way more than that yeah, yeah. like six point nine million. <laughs> 993,000 more people that watched it. <laughs> no offense to C-SPAN, they do great work. <laughs> it's a little dry, I, I, <laughs> for sure, but they do great work. Um, so during your DNC coverage, you, you make note a lot of the fact uh, that the real distinction is not between, uh, necessarily not between the Bernie and Hillary people, but mm-hmm. more so the consultant class versus everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um and you mentioned that you know eight hundred million dollars was spent on just five consultants. What the hell does eight hundred million dollars buy? I, I know we don't actually know because the budget isn't transparent. But what, what in your estimation, what does eight hundred million dollars buy you if you're the DNC? And even then, we don't even know. I mean, having a budget that's transparent doesn't get into. Uh, you know, you send a contract to somebody, and then they uh, consultants take money off the top. They take 70% sometimes. Sometimes they take 20%. I mean, it's a great gig to be in, especially because the metrics, you know, when you're running for office, you're, if you're a first-time candidate in particular, so anybody who's listening who's a first-time candidate, you know, you're going to get a lot, a lot of consultants, especially in a hot race that come to you and say, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do this for you. I won this race. I won this race. You know, if you've if you latched yourself onto a candidate that was clearly going to win, which, you know, there aren't many of those now, but in the old days <laughs> when Democrats used to win elections, if you latched yourself onto somebody like Chuck Schumer, for instance, Chuck Schumer hasn't faced real opposition in a long time. So these consultants will sell themselves based on the names that they're associated with or other factors or none of them, honestly, and they get a good chunk of the money. I mean, I know out of the Bernie campaign, there's a lot of people that were not in the inner circle of Bernie's consulting world who have gone out there and totally taken advantage of of all these people who want to run for office. So mm-hmm. it's really hard to kind of know where some of this money goes. But in terms of the the, the consultants that I mentioned in particular, um, you know, they're not all evil. I, I, I just think the point is, is that there's no oversight. So if you're going to run a consulting firm and you are good, of course you're going to take advantage of that. Like, of course, 
The DNC is not paying attention to where they're spe- like, of course, like I'm going to upcharge. I'm going to do this. I'm going to monopolize all your you take it. You have a monopoly over all the candidates. Um, you know, Joel Benenson was handling the, the, the polling and, you know, he was kind of layered out. Anybody who read the book Shattered knows that he was layered, but he, you know, he had one of the larger consulting contracts. GMMB was the media uh, company that they did the media buys, but, you know, they got 20%. So the number is really big in terms of what the DNC and the Hillary Victory Fund, Fund and HFA paid out over two years, mm-hmm. but they got 20% because they had to pay for the actual ad buys. Uh, the law firm, not a consulting firm, but but something I think is the most egregious is Perkins Coie. Perkins Coie is the law firm that represents literally everybody. The DNC, the DCCC, the DSCC, Hillary Victory Fund, Hillary for America, all the super PACs, uh, you know, major candidates all over the country. They have a complete monopoly. They said that they had a firewall, very clear that that was not the case, and now they're being investigated for this dossier on top of it. So I just, I think that's, that's really an area that needs to be considered because, um, you know, you can't, can't represent everybody. And then, um, you know, Bernie Sanders didn't use him as a lawyer. So uh, they were shut out of that, that fundraising agreement and they were able to move money all over the place. It's, it's egregious. It's really Anybody who's been on a board or work for a nonprofit or a corporation uh, knows that these are just basic good governance issues. Hmm. So um, the reforms we were, we were talking about, they still have a, a there's still a process before they get passed. But uh, even assuming that all of these uh, recommendations are agreed to, how binding are they? Um, you know, like during the uh, DNC fraud lawsuit, the DNC lawyer basically said that. Uh, the DNC wasn't under any obligation to follow its bylaws. So, I mean, e- even if these things do get written into the bylaws, how uh, how much can we count on those to be adhered to? Well, I think that's why it was really important that we put these mechanisms in place so that there was an oversight. I mean, you're only as good as your, your board of directors is, right? I think mm-hmm. what the DNC fraud lawsuit was not, because, you know, they weren't, DNC people, um, they maybe were not as fluent with the customs of the DNC and where to actually target them, uh, in terms of the lawsuit. But, you know, we now know because of Donna Brazil's revelations that there were checks, very large checks being written that were not presented before the officers of the DNC. Those are the people who have a fiduciary duty to the DNC. That's like saying you're going to write a $4 million contract to somebody as a, a, you know, on a nonprofit and not pass it by your executive director or your, I mean, it was a treasurer, but like it was, there was no oversight of this. It's completely ridiculous. Um, so we, we, we put in, hopefully this works. Uh, we not only made it very clear in the language, but we put in mechanisms of oversight so that if anything is unveiled, it can be put before this ombudsman, group that's elected, which is essentially a judicial review committee to say like, you know, this is not right. This can't happen again. I mean, I think that's more, it's going to happen more with the primary, but you know, the other side of this is that people are awake now. And now that people are awake and these are not just the Sanders grassroots activists, these are people that are within the party who've raised money for the party. I mean, people who shared my video were not 
just grassroots people. I had the former operations person for Hillary Clinton share the video. I had major donors share the video of Hillary Clinton's who were like, yo, I raised all this money for you. Where to go? I had, um, congressmen, three congressmen, uh, reach out to me privately. Um, you know, there's, this is, this is a real serious issue and people are angry because, you know, you look at it and it's like, there are five people, five groups that have firms that have been making money off of, you know, it's not their intention, but the pain of others. And so when I said that part about, let's keep this in perspective, you know, your seventh home is not worth somebody being rounded up by ice because you don't have state legislatures and which affects redistricting. And so you're not going to win back the house. All this talk about winning back the house. It's like, how are you going to do that if you're not funding the state parties? Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I, I hear you, I hear you talking about these reforms. It actually does give me hope for the future of the party. <laughs> um, but considering the death grip that the Clinton camp has had on the party for mm-hmm. years, I mean, since Bill, you know, was in office, what are the chances uh, that these grassroots reforms kind of take hold and that the Clinton wing doesn't just squash it? Um how like how do the DNC members feel about the Clintons and their influence? Is, is it dwindling? Would you say? Um, I can't speak on behalf of everybody else, but yeah. from from my perspective, I feel like they're fragmented, and and you know the Clintons probably have their favorite person or people uh, to run for president in two thousand twenty. Um, that's cool, but you know the consulting class is trying to 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 plan for that time and they're going to there's a bunch of them and i see them kind of separating up and and supporting different candidates and already like whether it's i've i think the two that i've noticed the most are although I'm, there's another one too uh you know the biggest one is 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 andrew cuomo andrew cuomo has way more money than anybody else bill clinton highlighted andrew cuomo's 50th birthday party a couple nights ago. And, Hmm. you know, that was a, or I'm sorry, 60th birthday party. And that was a up to $50,000 a table dinner on Wall Street. I'm not kidding you. Cipriani Wall Street. So, you know, they're clearly not learning the right lessons, but they, he's, he's hired several Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama comms people and has tried to hire some Bernie people, but hasn't had much luck. Um, and then you've got Kamala Harris, who of course hired a bunch of Hillary Clinton comms people. And so they're just using the same strategies over and over. But you know, I see them kind of dividing themselves up right now, but some of them are still voting members of the DNC. Not a lot, but a couple of them are. And that's where the conflicts of interest plays in. I just don't think it's going to be a Clinton wing anymore. I mean, there are a lot of people who supported Hillary Clinton for reasons that are way beyond uh, loyalty. I mean, some of it, it was... I live in New York, and if I don't support Hillary Clinton, I have, I mean, I'm going to die. Like, they're literally, like, I'm not going to have any, like, I will be crushed. <laughs> or it's, <laughs> or it was like, you know, some people wanted jobs in the White House. Some people, um, you know, they owed their careers to Hillary Clinton. I mean, Kirsten Gillibrand has now gone out and criticized Bill Clinton publicly, but she literally owes yeah, her career to him, to them. She does. She had a job in the Clinton White House. Um, and one of mm-hmm. one of uh, Hillary's uh, 
surrogates also even tweeted at her, hey, you know, Hillary gave her your seat, uh, gave you her seat. Oh. This is how you repay her. Philippe Reigns. Yeah. yeah. Philippe yeah. Reigns. Who I'm supposed to uh, um, publicly debate uh, next year. <laughs> oh, yeah. I saw that. that that's <laughs> Looking forward yeah. to that one. We were um, emailing about it. It's going to be so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, so are you familiar with uh, Peter Douche from Twitter? <laughs> Of course I am. He's okay. no longer on Twitter. I don't know what we're going to do about that. He his, he uh, has an alternate account now, but I actually had him on last week, and I DM'd him asking if he had any questions for you. Um, <laughs> he, wa- <laughs> he, wa- he wanted me to ask you if there would still be money in the budget for shills like him if uh, you had your way. <laughs> uh, I believe in true budget accountability. So it wouldn't be up to me. It would be up to the elected budgetary committee to review what he has been able to accomplish. And so that he would sit before the budget committee and set his presentation. And then after his contract is done, he would be, or he, or maybe halfway through, there would be a review. There would be oversight. Show us the metrics. What have you accomplished? You know, I feel like that's how these things should function. Alan, good, Peter. Sorry. (laughs) I tried. (laughs) <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, if it was up to me as like a benevolent dictator, I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so between, uh, <laughs> the, between the, that D triple C memo that kind of made the rounds, uh, mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago, uh, Hi, ha- wait, wait. we have to give a hat tip to TYT, uh, it, it not interviews, Michael TYT Tracy, investigates. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, he uncovered that um, memo, which was sent to congressional candidates, basically demanding that they don't criticize their primary opponents and that they hold unity rallies and other nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, so between that and the lack of support that we saw from the DCCC and the DNC for progressive candidates like Quist mm-hmm. and Thompson last go around, how do we get the party to actually support progressive candidates? Like the, all these reforms would be great if they pass, but... That, and I know that's not the committee you were on, but just in in, in your opinion in general, how do we get them to actually support these candidates um, who almost win without any support from the TNC? So oh, it's like that, if that's, supported them. That's true. And, you know, that's, that's very powerful. Um, you know, we shouldn't – I'm going to kind of take it from a reverse perspective in that you look at what happened in Alabama where John, Jones – won by 1.75% against a child molester in a state in which the Democratic Party has not invested in for 30 years, right? The Democrats had to pour uh, tens of thousands of dollars into his race, or tens of millions of dollars into his race to win it by such a small margin in a special election. But, you know, this is a man who went on TV a couple days later and said, Doug Jones said, I won because I'm a centrist. No, 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 you barely won because you were centrist. So I think, you know, from the perspective that I have is in 2018, the Democrats aren't going to be able to throw tens of millions of dollars into every single race. And if they're barely winning against a child molester who the Republicans turned on and they've put that much money into it, then, I mean, that's, that's a, that's actually not a good thing. That's a bad thing. And I know yeah. that they're going to say it's Alabama and we, you know, we relied on black women to turn out. Yes, we did. And that's horrible that black women, even after all that you've done to them, are still, you know, they're still, they, we shouldn't have to rely on them. You know, you should do what Randall Woodfin did. Randall Woodfin fucking killed it. 
And he actually could talk yeah, about the issues that affect, you know, real everyday Americans. It's not just like, let's cut the data out. I mean, I, I, Doug Jones, I'm so happy he won and he has a strong record when it comes to to to, to representing uh, communities of color and his criminal justice records. Incredible. But we got to be real with ourselves and we have to have a real conversation in terms of what are the crossover issues? Why did Bill Clinton win? He didn't win because he separated communities up and pit them against each other. And I'm not a Bill Clinton fan. That came later. He won because it was the economy stupid. The rules haven't changed, but suddenly like we're thinking the last 20 years, the rules change. Well, newsflash, the only time we ever win as Democrats is when the Republicans fuck up. That should not be the business model of the Democratic Party. <laughs> Yeah, no, but considering our ideas are, you know, broadly popular with the American people also, it's it's insane mm-hmm. that we can't seem to beat a child molester by more than, you know, the margin of error. But mm-hmm. um so what's next for you with the DNC? Cuz you know, the URC uh meetings are over. Are you going to go back to covering the DNC or do you have any kind of other official capacity with them now that these meetings are over? Uh, we're going to have to do presentations before the rules and bylaws committee, from what I understand. And that starts in, I believe late January, but the dates have not been been announced. And then they, there's the, um, DNC meeting, the winter DNC meeting, which will likely be February or March. And then there's another meeting six months later, which is the fall meeting. So some of these reforms will get, uh, in the next couple of months, hopefully, and then maybe some other ones will be at the end of the year in the fall meeting before the, but we're, you know, the goal is to have them all passed before, way before the, um, the 2018 elections. And, and some of these reforms don't require a vote. Like Chairman Perez can just do them. And that's my messaging is, you know, Chairman Perez says he supports them, then support him now. Why wait for the vote? You're the chair. Do it. You vote, you, you campaigned on it. It's. I mean, I'm not a DNC member anymore. I was several years ago. I live in a state where it's going to be very hard if I do want to run for DNC. It's going to be very hard to do so, uh, given my dynamics with Cuomo right now. (laughs) But (laughs) (laughs) not a fan of you. He. I might be on his hit list a little bit. There are moments where I'm like, is he following me? Nope, that's not him. Okay. I, yeah, he's, he's a vengeful person. Um, but you know, I, I'm, I'm very involved with our revolution, especially in New York state and working families party and NIPAN, which is this, this group uh, in New York state, that's a, a, a syndicate, I guess you could say of our revolution, the Bernie delegates. Um, you know, I believe in inside outside strategy. I just played inside and, you know, I'm going to be on the outside for a bit, pressuring, you know, pushing in. But I'm friends with a lot of people in the DNC. And the hope that I I will send to your loyal listeners is Keith Ellison barely lost the DNC race in in a situation where, like, they're the most insidery people possible. Like, he barely lost that. And I would even argue he would have won it had there not been some last-minute shenanigans. Um, It's been a year. And smearing him on CNN. Oh yeah, you can go back. I don't know if you ever saw that debate I did with him, but that was yeah, fun. Yeah, I did. <laughs> that was like I've had a couple of career highlights. My dad called me up like for the first time in my life. He's a lawyer, and he's like, "Oh, I'm proud of you." <laughs> I'm like, "Thanks, Dad," but you still should have gone to law school. <laughs> that's right. So there's hope. That I guess that's yeah. my 
and I'm like, you know, I'm not necessarily an optimist. So. <laughs> Great. Well, uh, I really want to thank you for coming on. You've been super generous with your time. Um, thank you. Actually, as a parting question, mm -hmm. uh, do you have any plans in ever running for office? Is it something you've thought about? Oh, you, you and your questions. <laughs> I live in New York. New York is a complicated place to live in. Um, yeah. I feel like I'm making, using my time most wise, like more wisely by doing what I'm doing right now and maybe even doing more mm -hmm. from the outside. Uh, but I'm fully cognizant that there's, unfortunately, due to the neglect of the Democratic Party, um, a very small bench. And so I really believe that everybody has to rise to the occasion because this is the advice I give others. So I have to follow my own advice. But if there's a situation and there's no leadership or nobody there who's able and willing and has the right values to step up, um, then rise up. But I also live in a state where the bench is like, you know, 12 miles long. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know what I would ever run for that wouldn't piss off all of my friends <laughs> or like, <Yeah. laughs> why are you jumping in? Um, so, you know, as of right well, now, Cuomo I'm really happy. Any, uh, major content Cuomo doesn't have any major I mean, right now. <laughs> that's true, but I think people are afraid of him. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it would be like a suicide mission. <laughs> Thank you for uh, coming on, Nomi. Do you have any uh, – where, where should I send people? What, where can they find you? <laughs> uh, follow me on Twitter. <laughs> Not literally, but on uh, social media. <laughs> yeah, please don't come to my house. That would be great. Thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have alarms. <laughs> um, my Twitter address is N-O-M-I-K-I-K-O-N-S-T, and I'm on TYT Politics and TYT Interviews, and follow – all the groups that we're all involved in, our revolution, Justice Democrats. Uh, I mean, for those in New York, NIPAN, we're doing a lot of anti-IDC stuff. You know, contribute to really amazing candidates who care about your futures. And um, yeah, I think, I don't know what else I would add. <laughs> Thank awesome. you for your work. And contribute to this podcast if there's a fund. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's <laughs> Patreon, patreon.com slash move left. Yep, there you go. All right, and thank you for coming on. Thank you. I appreciate it. So, um, yeah, that was our interview with Nomi. Um, she was super cool uh, and super generous with her time. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of other stuff to get into this week. Uh, net neutrality is dead. Um, so we, we knew this was going to happen. Um well, at least in terms of the, you know, the, the commission that they had. But, yeah, you know, Congress still, still has, you know, some ability to to override that. They probably won't, but there is yeah, still. my breath on that one. Yeah. Um, although, surprisingly, some Republicans claim they're actually against repeal of net neutrality regulations. So, yeah. we'll see. It'll be interesting. Uh, maybe yeah, it would be nice to think that more than three people decide the fate of the entire Internet. God, three fucking just the douchiest human beings you've ever fucking seen. <laughs> a G pie. I mean, it's, it's rare to be able to, to go for, you know, to outdo Donald Trump and like Martin Scully and all these other guys. It's like the most hated man in America, but a G pie, at least for this week, certainly takes that, uh, designation. I think, I mean, you saw, did you see that fucking video he did? Like the, <laughs> with the guy from pizza gate. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, with like a pizza gator <laughs> where he was like, oh, all the stuff they're saying about net neutrality is not true. You could still uh, ruin memes and blah, blah, blah. Like trying to be like funny. It, like, mm-hmm. y- you motherfucker, you're ruining the internet so you can get your fucking pockets lined by Verizon when you go back to work for them. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just so disgusting and blatant. It, it God, it's infuriating. Um, I actually tweeted out that uh, <laughs> anyone running for Congress should uh, run on a bill, run on proposing a bill uh, that a Jeep pie gets punched in the dick at least once a day uh, for the rest of his life. Because um, I think anyone who runs on that platform, Democrat, Republican, <laughs> Independent, certainly is going to win their election. Smart legislation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So we'll we'll talk to our uh, congressional candidates about that. I think that's something we should certainly <laughs> put yeah. into the uh, put into the hopper. If K um, Street can uh, can put together legislation, I'm sure we can figure something. Yeah, out. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I mean, look. Hopefully, the courts save us on this one. They've saved us from a lot of heinous shit that the Trump administration's tried to ram through. Um, yeah. This does still, uh, you know, a bunch of states are suing uh, over this, so it's yeah. possible. And if your state isn't suing, give them a call and, you know, let them know that you want them to be added to that yeah, list. Yeah, I think it's close to 20 states at this point. So red yeah. states, blue states, places like Mississippi. This is not a red-blue issue. This is like a, every, you know, 83% of the country is opposed to repeal net neutrality and it still goes mm-hmm. through. So we don't, I mean, not that (laughs) this isn't fucking news to anybody, but we don't live in a fucking democracy. We don't live in any kind of remotely representative democracy. No, this tells you exactly who's in charge. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when things like, you know, things that are uh, opposed by 83% of the country somehow get through and things like, you know, universal background checks, which are supported by 90% of the country don't get through, you know that we're living in an oligarchy. Mm -hmm. Um, Question is, what are we going to do about it? Um, so, you know, uh, <laughs> apparently nothing for now. So. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I don't know. I don't have any great answer. All my answers are going to get me in trouble with the FBI. So. <laughs> we're going to podcast. Is what we're yeah, do. we're, we're going to bitch about it on the Internet and, uh, <laughs> and tell you guys take to the streets. <laughs> well, no, I mean, honestly, you know, that's something like Jimmy Dore has been saying a lot. And I, it's fucking true. You know, it's it's not a part of our nature as Americans because, I, I, and I think it's by design. But in countries in Europe, they fucking get into the streets whenever they're mad about something. Like when yeah. they're mad about legislation that's fucking them over, they get in the streets, and then guess what happens? It doesn't get passed, or the legislation they want to get passed gets passed because they understand the power of their voice. And, and that's even in countries that don't have as many. Uh, freedom of, of speech and freedom of expression protections as we do um and they still we're sitting here like it. we're sitting here like uh it, it's cold out i don't really want to go yeah, out right? today so just you know take all our internet freedoms because it's a little chilly <laughs> yeah we're too yeah. fat and happy i i agree and i don't know what it's going to take i keep saying it i don't know what it's going to take but um it seems like if we did... It's going to take something stupid, like fucking... Yeah, I mean, we can get a million... How many women went out for the Women's March? Or how many people, rather, went out for the Women's March? Which, you know, was great, but it was a march about nothing. Like, why, why aren't, you know, five million people marching for uh, Stop the Wars, uh, you know, or for well, universal you know, and things like... It really is easier to rally people around hatred. And, and I wanted, you know, to say that the Women's March was about positivity for women. But in truth, what it really was, was a reaction to Donald Trump. So it's like, okay, rally yeah. everyone around hating Trump and they'll all show up. 
Um, maybe then afterwards we tell them it's really net neutrality. <laughs> you know, get our way. <laughs> Oops. Oh, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't Wrong flyer. <laughs> I wouldn't have canceled my morning uh, jazzercise <laughs> for this if I knew that this was actually for something. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So uh, the an, another big thing that happened this week uh, was the Daniel Shaver shooting. Uh, really uh, one of the most horrible things I think I've ever seen. Like we've seen a lot of these fucking videos, you know, between Walter Scott getting shot in the back and the Tamir Rice and like all these just, I was in tears with this video. Really? No. Yeah. It was, it was very painful to watch because it was just, it was such an, you know, an imbalance of power and you could just see how any person, if you follow one instruction wrong i mean my god if you're if you're drunk or you know something else and they say kneel and you you know don't do that right away or you go to pull up your pants or whatever it is if that's what's going to get you shot i mean you know that that kid seemed pretty compliant you know did he reach back yeah but it seemed like it was because his pants were falling down yeah um but you know that cop was pant line that, that cop was so, um, you know, trigger happy from the word go. And yeah, it was just, it was so painful to watch. And I just kept picturing this being a relative of mine. My God, people on the autism spectrum or with ADHD or something else, people that, you know, have communications or social deficits. There's so many situations where the way that that cop was interacting um, just would absolutely wind up in exactly what happened in, in death. Um, that he could have de-escalated that situation, uh, you know, a million different ways, and he chose not to. Oh no, he escalated a thousand percent. I mean, this cop's a fucking lunatic. Like you, you, yeah. you watch that video. He is screaming. He's telling him contradictory instructions. He's like, right. "Cross your legs, raise your arms above your head, crawl towards me." And then the guy uncrosses his legs to crawl towards me. Don't uncross your legs. Like just <laughs> pointing a fucking like AR-15 at him. Which I don't even know why fucking cops are carrying that shit to begin with. Why aren't they? Well, and that's the same kind of shit they pull on people pistol. with DUIs too. You know, to try to make them look stupid. You know, give yeah. them different instructions. And oh, well, you didn't follow the instructions, so you're drunk or you're whatever. You're impaired. It's like, well, no. I mean, this isn't. You know. Simon says, like, touch your head, touch your toe. This is, you know, this is real life. Um, yeah. It was, it was very it, disturbing. It's fucking disgusting. And, uh, it, uh, you know, it goes without saying, because this is usually what follows this kind of story in America. He got off. He didn't even get charged with murder. So, like, what what the fuck? Like, what, what do you need to do as a cop to get, to get actually charged with murder? Like, he even said, like, I'm going to shoot you if you don't. Like, what the fuck? What do you need to fucking do in America? as a police officer to get charged with fucking murder or manslaughter or some kind of a gross negligence, you know, you know, the other thing we've had cases where, you know, the person has said, I'm going to kill the person and then went and killed the person and they still got off. I mean, there's, there's a million different scenarios where they continue to, um, yeah, to not face consequences. Yeah, I mean, the Walter Scott case, he was running away, shoots him in the back, it's on video, right. and then you could see him going, planting a taser near him. Yeah. Uh, still doesn't get, like, there's just no, because the cops are the ones who really are in charge of the decision making uh, in terms right. of how the cops get charged. Like, you, you know, you don't want, like, they're, they're all buddies. It's the justice system. They're all part of the same system. And then when there's a cop that's going to speak out, like the one in Baltimore, oh, he's mysteriously shot and they don't investigate. And, you know, they cordon off a big area. They can't find. 
Yeah, they can't find the person. I mean, it, you yeah. know, there's too much. You know, Michael Wood Jr., <laughs> you know, he, he would be willing to call it out, I'm sure. He works yeah, there. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, it's like when a cop gets killed, they drop everything to find this guy and they don't rest until they find, you know, the perpetrator. But of course, when a, when a cop gets killed, who happens to be testifying against other cops, the, it's a of mystery. It's a, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cold case. So, yeah. mm. you know, I, and, and the point is like, look, I, this fucking guy should not have been a cop. When you take one look at this guy and I'm not, I'm not saying cause like, Oh yeah. Tattoos. you, you, he had your fucked written on his his gun. Like if you're his coworker and you see that, you should immediately report him and say this guy's a fucking lunatic. He should not be out there holding a fucking assault rifle. This guy right. is a lunatic who wants to fucking kill people. Like he's a tough right. guy. He thinks he's this big fucking, you know, he, he's on some kind of macho power trip about this. This guy's a fucking lunatic. He has, well, that's the other thing here. is, you know, in, in a lot of these cases, I think there's been a lot of discussion or noise around uh, a lot of the police being on steroids um, or other substances. And, you know, that not being, um, you know, whether it's yeah. pre-screening, mental health pre-screening or regular dress, drug testing, you know, the, the unions have fought it. Um, and you know, they need to not fight it because, um, you know, eventually we're going to, the tide's going to turn on these cases. They're going to start being held accountable. I don't know what it's going to take, but it it will happen. Um, and and it will be, you know, swift. Um, so I hope they get in line. Yeah. Um, I'm not really super hopeful, but I, you know, (laughs) it's just going to keep happening in this country. Because we don't really give a fuck about reform mm. when it comes to the police, because you know. Well, even in that scenario, I mean, I don't, I didn't read, you know, the entire background on it, but it was like I didn't even see in the video the need for him to have a gun out at all. It was like two people walking no. down a hall of a hotel or something. It looked like at worst maybe he could have a taser out. So I didn't even really understand. Was he told this person was armed and dangerous? Because he certainly well, didn't look that way. Apparently, like, the guy had had a BB gun and was, like, shooting, like, signs out the window. But if anyone called and reported that, it was clear that it was a BB gun because they saw him shooting shit out the window, like, with a BB gun. So, sure, you know, you get you show up a little pissed off because the guy's, you know, endangering people below uh, with a BB gun. Um, But when he comes out of the thing, he's wearing, like, basketball shorts. He's clearly not carrying. You can see his waistline. Mm -hmm. Um, He's very compliant, beyond compliant, and clearly a little drunk or something. Right. You know. Yeah, something. Um, It was just an absolute overreaction. It was ridiculous. And anyone that watches that video and doesn't see that is just a fucking right-wing lunatic, in my opinion, because there's no way you can justify that level of uh, the cop is always justified no matter what the circumstances, unless you just are predetermined to come to that opinion, you know, no matter what. I mean, I actually said that on my Facebook. I do have conservatives Mm -hmm. that are, you know friends and and i said if you can watch this and think this is okay just just fucking unfriend me because we can't (laughs) there's no way to look at this and think this is okay that officer was just so clearly overreacting i don't know how a jury can look at that and think otherwise but um yeah it was it was very disturbing and just you know if you imagine it as your kid or someone you love um even more so yeah well, uh, more depressing news uh, this mm. week. Um, not much good news this week other than the, the Democrats beat a pedophile by the margin of error. Um, mm. But the um, 
So Nikki Haley is uh, lying us into a war with Iran behind everyone's back because everyone's focused on a million other things like this tax bill they're ramming through right. or the net neutrality thing, which happened. Like, th- I think or she Trump's actually went latest to the tweet. <laughs> yeah. I think she actually went to the UN on the day of the net neutrality vote, which I'm sure was not an accident because they wanted to bury it in the news cycle. Right. Um, and I, I haven't seen anyone really talking about it, but if you, you know, you search for it, you can find it. She went there and she she brought a prop on stage, a giant <laughs> detonate missile like or, detonated yeah. missile or rocket or something, which she was you know was saying was uh, what Iran was using. Uh, I, I don't even know what she was saying they were using it. Were they, was she saying they were using it in Syria? Um, it wasn't very clear. Basically, yeah. she was just trying to fearmonger about the imminent danger of Iran. Um, we're actually fighting ISIS in Syria, uh, which, right. you know, it, it, it's fucking mm-hmm. absurd. But the war hawks in Trump's administration, including Mike Pompeo, who, you know, the rumor is is going to be taking over as secretary of state whenever Tillerson <laughs> quits or gets fired. Um, right. He is a fucking lunatic about getting us into war with Iran. And yeah. I, I don't, you know, I, I, I do know why, but I, I don't know why people don't understand that this is just a blatant attempt to lie us into another war. It's not even artful. Like, at least the yellow <laughs> yeah. cake uranium lie was um, not immediately disprovable or, or you know, it. this is yellow cake uranium on steroids. Like, she brought a right. giant fucking, you know, rocket behind her as a prop to be like, this is an imminent threat and we need... You know, she's really just trying to gin up support for war, uh, an offensive war with a country that didn't attack us, another country that didn't attack us. But our credibility in this in the U.N. and, you know, in the international community over these things is zero. WMD, a lie. I mean, you know, all of these things that we've gone there and tried to say lie, lie, lie. So why would anyone believe us now? Even if it was true, which I don't think it sure is. Israel will believe us because they're the ones that actually are trying to uh, get us to do this in the first right. place. So right. they'll have our backs. Uh, hopefully fucking Theresa May doesn't back us on this. Mm. I, I think, unfortunately, the U.S. will do this whether uh, we get backing or not. <laughs> they'll, they'll find their another coalition of the willing, a bunch of fucking ragtag countries that don't even have armies just so they can list off a bunch of names, you know. We'll see if Morocco can send monkeys again or whoever, whatever country that was. <laughs> I mean, but the, I mean, it's just fucking unbelievable. And this is the shit that people should be in the streets about. And nobody fucking knows or cares about this. And it makes me crazy. And I think I'm living in like a, an alternate dimension that I care about this shit and that I don't even see fucking MSNBC talking about this. Like, they're, they're no. got, like, got, like Chris Hayes, can you interrupt your fucking wall to wall Russia coverage to talk about <laughs> The fucking Trump administration lying us into another bullshit war? Like, please, can we? I, I, and, Apparently you know, not, because they're in with you know that same establishment. It's you know whether it's controlled opposition or whatever it is, it's it's the same narrative. So what's going to happen? The economy is going to tank because of the stupid you know economic policies. You know we've had all of this you know growth you know for for so long. Eventually the economy is going to tank, and then to get us out of it, they're going to do another stupid war. And yeah, it's. It's just going to be ridiculous, and and more of our young men will go to die for no good reason. Young men and women, I should say. I was going to say young men and women now because uh, yes. f- females are allowed in the infantry now, so now yes. it's equal opportunity, yeah. uh, pointless deaths that we're going to mm. be <laughs> perpetrating. And uh, you know, something that people should know: Iran is way more uh, developed than Iraq was when yes. they invaded Iraq. 
Iran is like a fucking developed country. They have they have a massive military. Yeah. They were they almost had the capability to create a nuke before we made the you know the nuclear. I still think they do have that capability. I'm, yeah, I'm not I mean, convinced. It's yeah. 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 Um, and now that we violated the agreement, uh they have no reason to not be, you know, enriching right. uranium. So um this is a fucking disaster. This is Vietnam all over again. We're gonna mm-hmm. uh, hundreds of thousands of people are gonna die between the two sides if we if we go into war into a ground war with Iran. It's just it's psychotic and literally nobody's talking about it. And and it's not no one's gonna report on it until it actually happens. Right. Until we start doing strikes and then the first time we do an airstrike, that's it. That's that's the fucking you know you can't you can't put that genie back in the bottle. So not at all, not with Iran, no. <laughs> No, and and it's just fucking insane that we're going to do this, and it's all at the behest of Israel because they don't like Iran, and Netanyahu's been trying to get us to go to war with Iran for fucking 15 years, so, you know, he's going to get his wish, <laughs> and the DOD's going to get their wish. You know, we remember we talked uh, in the earlier episodes about Wesley Clark uh, when he went into the... Uh, into I think he was in going into the Pentagon like early in the day in the early days of the uh uh war in Iraq and they were like, Oh, it's not just Iraq we're gonna invade. We have these eight countries that we've designated for um regime change. Right. And we've we're bombing in seven of the eight countries. Iran's the only one we're not bombing in and uh that's been the big prize, I think, for these fucking neocon war hawks uh and their defense contractor buddies for a long time. Well, and we're so fucking stupid in these things when we go over there, you know, like we, we give weapons to the rebels, you know, to, to fight in Syria and, you know, within 30 days, those things are in the hands of ISIS. Now, whether it was ISIS took them over or whether they were sold, it doesn't matter. We don't know what the fuck we're doing over there. So, you know, we'd be better off just staying out altogether, um, letting them work it out. (sighs) Yeah, well. I unfortunately don't think that's going to happen, <laughs> but, uh, you know, maybe we can, maybe we can get, I, I don't think we're going to get through Trump's first term without that happening. I'm really hoping that we could somehow squeak through Trump's first term. Well, and, it's like uh, between, between what's going on with Iran and then North Korea, you know, and the, um, you know, the constant just back and forth with that, um, you feel like they're going to find one or the other of those things is going to happen. And it's just a question of, you know, which one hits first and, and when. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no way they don't get us into a war. I mean, it's, it's just a matter of time. Um, well, um, <laughs> I wish I had, I wish I had more news. exciting. Yeah, another good news. Um, so... The DCCC sent out this memo uh, last week, and the, the fucking balls of them to send this thing out. It, it's basically a fundraising agreement that they want all congressional candidates to sign in order to get funding from the DCCC for their congressional races. And it contain, contained these uh, just absolutely ridiculous provisions. Um, what was the one you mentioned about the 75%? It was like they have to save 75% of their funding, um, you know, specifically for advertising, um, yeah. you know, within the race, which then I guess is advertising you have to buy from them. So it's, from you know, it's, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's them, you know, continuing to try to retain the power structure they have, recognizing that, 
um, you know, that there may be some additional budgetary oversight happening on them shortly that's going to limit their abilities. So they're trying to kind of kind of squeeze it in another way. And um, anybody that signs that is an idiot and has no business running for office or yeah. signing any kind of document ever. It's it's just such a ridiculous piece of yeah. And but you know that's going to be their excuse for not giving any progressives any money. Well, we would have, but they didn't sign our fundraising <laughs> agreement. How can we give them money if they won't sign? Fuck you! Like and and yeah. there's also something in there. There's things in there like, uh, you, the, uh, you know, the candidate agrees not to uh, disparage uh, the, their opponent, their primary opponents, things like that. <laughs> so don't call out your opponent if they're so. If you're running against a corrupt fucking Wall Street, you know motherfucker who takes tons of money from fossil fuels or wall street you're not allowed to say that well um, actually i hope it works in the reverse so if it's all establishment people signing this document and they can't uh, disparage progressives <laughs> that'll work in our favor but you know what? they have to smear anyway they have to make shit up it's like they do you know, the, the, and it's not just that it's, it's suppressing and yeah it's all yeah. of it um, um, and then there was also a provision in there that you had to hold a unity rally after the primaries were over with <laughs> like, fuck. Kumbaya. <laughs> like they, it's just so, they're so, this is just such the last, you know, the last dying gas, gas, uh, collapsing establishment. My take on it. I've said this to you is, you know, all of the unity stuff, all of the kumbaya, all of these things that they're, you know, trying to say are happening or, you know, whatever means nothing to me until I see them support a progressive in any race in this country. Yeah. I mean, in any, anywhere, if they do that, I'll go, okay, maybe there's, there's something to this. Um, but until then, no, it's just continuing to try to keep the corrupt gravy train for themselves going and they're going to continue to lose. Um, you know, and honestly, anybody that signs that anyway, um, in races is stupid because of the way that they allot money anyway, they really have not, uh, a lot and a lot at, at the local level. So you're basically not going to get much from them for signing it. And then you're going to have to give over what you do bring in. It's, it's just a stupid, Integrated, absurd bullshit, you know, right. provisions. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I talked about that a lot with Nomi. They, they, you know, set a billion dollars on fire to five, literally five consulting firms who, who didn't even, <laughs> you know, deliver on the shit they were supposed to. Um, and they couldn't even give James Thompson, I think, requested $20,000 for a mailer. And he lost by like three points in like deep red Kansas. So, you know, mm-hmm. we, we know where their fucking priorities lie. Um, yeah, they would rather have. Uh, they would rather lose, you know, than than have a progressive win and start to lose their corporate money. So, yeah, that's the priority, and that's Democrats my concern. Hate and... More than they hate fascists. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, we're wrapping Lots up, but other... let's get in. Uh, yeah, there's there's another big story. Well, two actually. Um, one is the rumor um, that Paul Ryan is on his way out, um, that he is, oh, quote yeah. unquote, retiring um, at the end of this term. And, you know, different reasons, different speculation around why that is. One, he's just fucking had it and, you know, didn't really never wanted to be speaker and doesn't enjoy the job. Another one is that, um, you know, he really is hated in his district and uh, Iron Stash is, you know, doing quite well in fundraising. And so there's, you know, he has a real shot of, of being beaten, um, you know, and then there's whether he's going to run for president or, or something else like that in the future. And it's just sort of moving over to the side from 
whatever the ugliness is that's coming with, you know, the, the fallout from the Trump administration, whoever gets indicted and all of those things, if he's just trying to get ahead of that and, and step aside so he can say, oh, I wasn't a part of that at all and, you know, run next time. Um, so lots of possibilities there, but, but certainly an interesting one. And then the other rumor, you know, and I guess we'll, we'll get into the uh, assault roundup, the harassment roundup, is that... Um, the WAPO and CNN are, I think, running a joint investigation, I think is what it is. And they're saying yeah. that it's going to pop this week that something like 20 members of Congress are going to be, it's going to be revealed that they are guilty of some form of harassment or assault or something else. And the, the word on the street anyway, and the word on the internet is that heads are going to roll and there are going to be a lot of resignations uh, in very short order. So uh, that could be quite so. exciting. And that's that's not even counting the things that you're about to mention. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so, yeah, as far as the Ryan thing goes, uh, it, it's real interesting. And good thing we have such a progressive champion uh, to run against him to make sure he gets pushed out of the race, <laughs> like Iron Stash, who's mm. totally not at all in the pockets of the uh, pipeline industry. Not at all. Um, but for real, people, if you actually think I like, I, I know they've run a really good campaign and, and messaging wise to make you think he's progressive. Look into him more. Do, do a deeper dive, and then look at Kathy Myers, who's running against him, who's a way better choice for that seat. But yeah, and he won't uh, debate her. So and he's ducking her like the like a fucking typical establishment Democrat piece of shit. And so honestly, even in the video where Bernie, uh, you know, endorsed him, Bernie way overshadowed him. It was like he he barely spoke in that. He looked um, super annoyed. Like he didn't want to be there. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't. I'm not even convinced that he has the intellectual horsepower to be able to stand up in a debate. So while he may he look good on paper watch. as a as a union guy and you know and all of that, um, I have serious concerns about him as a candidate and his ability to do the job. So I wish it were otherwise. I wish we had a strong, um, you know, a, a well funded progressive in there because Kathy Myers is great, but she's you know she's struggling on funding. It's it's all going to Iron Stash. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens there, but yeah, well, you know, baby steps, I guess. Mm, <laughs> something good, Paul. Yeah, so uh, we should get into the uh, the weekly sex assault roundup. So let me mm. have a place in, and we'll, we'll we'll talk a little uh, misconduct. So yeah, um, it's so sad that we need to have that, that fucking bumper mm-hmm. music and that it's a regular segment on every. It uh, may be our entire episode week, next week. week. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. Depending on the uh, the Congress stuff, how that shakes out, that yeah. is actually really interesting. Uh, I, I've been hearing rumblings about that for a while now. It's going to be. I, I think it's taking a while because they want to really <laughs> do their due diligence on this one, but that's I, I agree. Be a fucking lightning rod uh, in, in DC. Well, and I still that's say going. that's still the tip of the iceberg. Twenty is still nothing when you look at the number of members that there are and how long this behavior has gone on. I mean, it hasn't changed in the, the twenty years since I was there, um, and yeah, I. I think this is still the beginning. Maybe this 20, maybe these are the people that uh, were a part of that slush fund where they were paying out settlements. Maybe that's where they came from. I don't know. Um, yeah. Time will tell. 
that's that was my thought is that it's it's going to be uh names that were unsealed and that then this congressional you know fund where, where the, the this anonymous fund where all of our tax dollars go to pay out their sex assault settlements um which supposedly so. ryan is saying they're not going to do anymore we'll, we'll see what happens with that i don't know what the uh the legal requirements are for that. I don't even know how that came to be. They need to change the entire process and have probably an external body, um, you know, managing all of that because they shouldn't be, uh, they shouldn't have oversight over themselves. Yeah. 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 It goes without saying, but unfortunately I don't think that's going to happen. Um, yeah. So the two big things this week, uh, Mario Batali, uh, Mm. who was accused, uh, of some misconduct and what were you going to say? Uh, well, Anthony Bourdain, um, you know, tweeted out before it happened. He was like, you know, basically, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a chef and it's bad, you know? And so we, we kind of had a heads up, but we didn't know who. And yeah. So then hearing, um, you know, that there were, I forget what the number was, but it was a lot of women, um, you know, that were accusing him and he didn't deny it. No, he didn't deny it, but he, uh, at the end of his apology uh, statement, gave a recipe for um, pizza dough cinnamon roll, I think they were. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, fucking ridiculous. Like, yes, I'm a sexual assaulter and and harasser, and um, here's some cinnamon uh, pizza dough rolls. So, yeah, happy holidays, everybody. Like, what the? How tone deaf do you have to be? I mean, uh, like, I want to give them the benefit. Yeah, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and go like they just took another email, you know, and just were plopping in the message and didn't delete that part. But like, I'm not even convinced that that's the case. Like, I I think it's possible that he actually just thought this would be a good time to share out a recipe for cinnamon rolls. (laughs) I don't know, but he did get fired for you. Yeah, he did get fired from the Chew. Um, So. You know, there are some some consequences for him. I'm sure he'll do something else. Um, but, you know, he, he admitted to, you know, uh, inappropriate touching, um, inappropriate jokes, just all of that stuff. Um, so it's it's General disturbing. Yeah. 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 And the other really interesting one this week uh, was Morgan Spurlock, um, mm. director of Supersize Me uh, and a bunch of other documentaries. Uh, someone I really uh, like as a documentarian. I've really, I really enjoyed a lot of his work and a lot of his yeah, TV same. shows that he did. Um, he, he really, he really kind of em- embodied that, that you know, that documentary spirit uh, in his stuff. But he um, did something interesting. He preempted any kind of uh, accusations by releasing a statement totally un. Uh, unsolicited or unprompted. As far as we like, know, yeah. I mean, well, we don't know. Yeah. You know, could there be somebody behind the scenes that was that was ready to go? You know, maybe. But as far as we know, or, it, it appeared like he was just coming out just and saying paranoia. Well, right, right. Because like, I mean, it's just dominoes falling one after another, and you you have to assume if you're a guy out there and you you know behaved like this in any way, shape, or form that you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. So you know, if I were his PR, anybody's PR, absolutely get in front of it and, and say something about it, apologize, you know, express regret, whatever. And I've been asking for that actually on social media. I've been asking people, look, you know, I'm even willing to give you like an amnesty period or something. If you on your own come forward and say, you know, I was a dumbass, whatever it is. I mean, as long as it's not 
rape or something, you know, violent or whatever. I mean, none of it's good. Right. But, but I'm even willing to, you know, I made bad jokes or, you know, those kinds of, I'm willing to look the other way. If you just come forward and say, I, you know, I acted inappropriately, I'm, you know, learning, I'm getting help, whatever. And so in that sense, I appreciated, um, what he did. Yeah. I mean, that's my question is like, do we give him credit for doing this? Like, I, I, I think we both kind of off air agreed that like, yeah, it, it's, it's better to just come forward. And, you know, it, it comes from a more sincere place when you're actually saying like, look, I'm part of the problem. I, I need to take steps to resolve it. This is what I did. You know, it may not have been. Uh, and he didn't just list one thing. I mean, he listed, you know, multiple um, where, you know, someone had accused him of rape, um, you know, that, it seemed like maybe there was some sort of a misunderstanding. And again, we're only hearing from him, so we don't know. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, he listed multiple, um, you know, places where things could come out. So I thought that, that was interesting too. It wasn't a general statement. He was pretty specific and, you know, this specific. time and yeah. this time. Yeah. Um, so it's tough. I so, mean, yeah. do you give him credit? I don't know. I mean, in my head, I, I did a little bit just because um, again, getting in front of it and um, you know, showing remorse and, um, being specific on it, I, I think, and not sending out a cinnamon roll recipe along with it, you know, bonus points for that. Even though you might need a cinnamon roll after reading some of these fucking statements. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, it's interesting. Uh, I'm sure uh, this is not the end of, of this, of this tidal wave. I'm sure this is just the beginning. Yeah, Just they announced uh, an ethics investigation now for Ruben Kewin in Nevada because uh, another woman came forward and, and a story was released saying that it had basically been an open secret in Nevada um, that he was, uh, you know, if not at least a playboy, you know, um, certainly aggressive with many people and uh, the behaviors were uh, like stalker-ish. Um, so, yeah, more on that one. Uh, looks like he's going to try to sit there and, and wait out the investigation but not run again. Um, so we'll see what happens in that one. Like the true coward that he is, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, so we'll see on that one. But go support his uh, primary opponent in 2018, although I guess not his primary opponent anymore. <laughs> I guess right now the only Democrat running. Uh, so we'll see if the establishment tries to uh, – play spoiler because she yeah. seem, seems to be the favorite at the moment uh amy valella out running out amy for the people.com yep she's a justice dem yep. she's with brand new congress she'd been endorsed by her local r revolution she's the real deal yeah she's awesome all right well that about does it for us this week um i'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about next week especially if this big uh story drops like they've been threatening to we'll see uh Oh, check us out on uh, Patreon if you like what you hear. Uh, Patreon.com slash move left. Uh, we are also on uh, SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com slash move left. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at A Montrulo. I'm at A Polly Bent, P O L I B E N T, or you can follow at move left. Or is it at move left idiots? <laughs> at move left idiots on Twitter. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, join us next week for Move Left Idiots. Antifa!
There's insanity in the control room tonight.